you started? I have started. Go on then. <laughs> So we're uh, we're here in the uh, in the press club at uh, Fruit Attraction. It's one of these tough things that journalists have to do when they come to trade fairs, which is uh, visit the press centre. And uh, this is a fantastic press centre. I've never seen anything like it. It just has an enormous paella and uh, some very nice uh, white wine, which I'm informed is Rueda. Is that right? Is the, yeah, yes. It's very nice. So, uh, you know, tough life for us journalists. Um, but we, we are going to do some work here. We're going to talk about uh, Fruit Attraction, which is the show we're at, and uh, what we've seen and heard. Um, so with me, I have Michael Barker of the FBJ. Uh, I have Mara Maxwell, who's the Spanish editor uh, and Latin American editor of FruitNet.com. And we have Felix Moritz, who is our Spanish representative um, and also represents us in many other countries of the world. Um, uh, uh, promoting FruitNet as, uh, as a media company. So it's good to have you here. Thank you. Um, so to start off, I think uh, we just want to hear, well, what, what's, what, what have you, as we're, as we're handed a plate of paella, um, what have you learnt here in uh, Madrid at Fruit Attraction? Let's, let's turn to you, Michael, first. Well, it wouldn't be appropriate just to uh, talk about this without mentioning Jamie Oliver and the paella gate. <laughs> He's had a shocker. Yeah, so uh, by all accounts, he, he dared to put uh, chorizo in, in paella. But, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but in this part of Spain, it's, it's acceptable, Felix, to put, uh, to put uh, yeah, chorizo in paella. It is, in Madrid, they say. Yeah. So in Madrid, it's okay to put chorizo in a paella. But, uh, uh, well, let's explain. It's Felix. not the genuine paella, though, I have to say. Ah, okay. Felix, yep. you're, you're from Barcelona, yeah. more or less, and... Yes. Um, it, but, but paella comes from Valencia, you know? So oh, my mum's from Valencia. I should promote the Fidewa. <laughs> the Fidewa is coming from, from Catalonia. But yeah, yeah, the paella is from Valencia. Okay. And then they use chorizo in Valencia, but they do. Okay. In Madrid. They, don't, they do they, in Madrid. They do. Can we clear this up once and for all? Sorry. Okay, the traditional Valencia paella is rabbit, chicken, and beans, green beans. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's it, nothing else. And not no a chorizo in sight. Okay, so it's just for us Philistine Englanders who put, put chorizo in the paella. We'll, we'll just carry on regardless, shall we? Um, so, Michael, I stopped you in mid-flow there. Well, I think you stopped yourself. <laughs> I did. Um, I'm always what, distracted by food. What was your highlight? Uh, what, what things can you pick out for us from the uh, show floor? Obviously, from the FBJ point of view, one of the key things I've been trying to find out is the reaction to Brexit. Um, the Spanish market, of course, is the biggest supplier of fresh produce to the UK. Uh, so establishing that relationship is absolutely critical. And I've been sp speaking to the deputy British ambassador to Spain uh, yesterday. Uh, there's a video on the FPJ website of that. And he said that they're already very much preparing their arguments, preparing their... their the grounds for debate uh, because it's in everybody's interest to make this work and he said that certainly on both sides uh, everybody wants to come together to make sure that there is a robust successful trading relationship between Britain and Spain um, of course officially no no official conversations have taken place because that can't happen until article 50 is triggered but you get the feeling that with Theresa May's pronouncements this week that, that uh, Brexit will be triggered next March that there's a lot of manoeuvring going on and everybody's trying to make sure that they're in the right place to, to kick it off as soon as possible. And um, 
yeah, so there's a feeling that, that the Spanish won't run off and, and think Britain's too complicated. They will try to find a way, because for both sides it's a critically important relationship. Maori, you've been speaking to uh, a number of the Spanish exhibitors. What, what's their kind of take on... Uh, well, let's, let's start with Brexit, but also just on, on the general state of things in the fresh produce business across Europe. Um, I think Brexit, a lot of the hysteria has now died down uh, post-referendum and people have had a chance to sort of take stock and everything. Um, obviously, I think it was a surprise to everybody that we actually voted to leave. Uh, but now uh, that it's a reality and it's going to be triggered early next year, as Michael said, I think it's now just a case of getting on with it and um, uh, accepting the new reality and negotiating the best deals that they can. Which is say, you know, the UK is the biggest market for Spanish produce. Uh, that's not going to change anytime soon. And so this is just the new status quo. Hmm. But on the horizon, you, uh, I get the impression that there are lots of opportunities elsewhere in Europe and outside of Europe being explored by Spanish companies. So Spanish companies want to try and test the water um, for different products in places like the Middle East, in Asia. And, and actually, it's, it's probably gone beyond that. It's not just testing the water. It's actually following up on some of those contacts and early trials that they've made in the past yeah. decade and, and, and starting to have a bit more of a momentum in other parts of the world. Is Absolutely. that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, in terms of Asia, uh, sort of Malaysia, Singapore and Hong Kong are the three main markets that um, Spanish shippers have focused on up to now. The big news, obviously, is the opening of the stone fruit market in China. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has kind of generated all the headlines. But in reality, um, I think underneath all the kind of guff, uh, that's going to be an extremely limited um, a limited option for Spanish shippers. Less reported, but more interesting, I think, is uh, the kind of inroads they're making into Africa, particularly South Africa, but also, you know, sort of spreading up in Northern Africa. Brazil is a huge market um, for all sorts of Spanish products. Um, uh, US and Canada as well are other avenues that's going And of course, the Middle East, which are, you know, a few companies have now set up sales offices in the Middle East and have really become embedded there and they're in it for the long term. Which companies have set up in the Middle East? Uh, well, Clofenta's got a sales office there that I know of. Just going back to Asia, there's another company who claims to be the first Spanish company to actually set up a sales office in Hong Kong, which is a company called Urea Export, which I have to confess was off my radar a bit, but I will be following closely from now on. You got there in the end. Yeah. Um, just incidentally, what is the Spanish for guff? <laughs> uh, Felix can help you with that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh I should have turned to you first, Felix. I do this all the time. Yeah, you do. Uh, Felix, I forget that you are an expert in Spanish being Spanish. Um, so what, what's the Spanish for guff? Uh, we're not going to get anywhere with this, are we? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, hot air. How do you say like... Hot, hot air. Nonsense. 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 Tonterias. Yeah. Okay. Things that aren't relevant. Yeah, and if you want something stronger, it's to be the fish. Oh, okay, okay. Let's let's go easy. Let's go easy. I, all I know is that in German it's Quatsch. I like that. And that's just a brilliant, brilliant word. It's a better word than guff, isn't it? Yeah. Felix, if, if I can ask you, um, what's been your impression of the kind of uh, the mood among Spanish uh, companies here? The mood. So the the feeling the uh, what's the word in Spanish, man? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I can understand mood and feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, yeah. Um, the mood. I mean, uh, on our last conversation, 
we went with a company called Fresón de Palos, and they uh, told us that the yeah the, the market the main market for them is um, is the Spanish market, although they are still exporting to the to the different markets. But 40% of the production is is sold in the, in Spain, and they are really focusing in the Spanish market. And uh, generally speaking, I think yeah, I mean it's a very good event. Uh, People is a uh, very, very, you know, um, in a really nice environment and uh, really easy to, you know, to find people able to talk with you, do business, and you know, uh, there are a lot of companies with a lot of um, interest in different markets. I mean, this is Spain. I mean, the main place in Europe for the fresh and vegetables. So, yeah, there are companies very ambitious with the new projects. Uh, can I just add? Of course. Um, one thing that I've been struck by is that there's a lot of innovation going on in sort of real growth products like berries, um, like kiwi fruits, papayas now uh, sort of coming to the fore in Spain. You know, there's a lot of. It's not just same old, same old. There's a, a lot of. There's enough. Also. Yeah, there's enough growth areas to make it interesting and quite optimistic. That's very good to hear. I went to the launch of um, three new uh, varieties of apple all of which are red fleshed and so the the inside of these apples uh, is, is a red flesh which they've been developing in in France uh, uh, doing trial orchards but it's a consortium of growers and marketers from around the world I think it's 14 apple um, companies in 13 different countries so it, it, it's great to see I mean you you kind of hear every now and then oh well we're thinking about a red fleshed apple we're thinking about a red fleshed kiwi fruit we're thinking about new varieties of this that and the other when you actually see the product there in front of you and you're able to taste it and try it and you know you're, you're, you suddenly realise that there's uh, a different product that may end up on the shelves in the next few years that's very encouraging absolutely and I actually think that Sometimes you see these new things and you are oh, tell you what that's going to be a bit of a gimmick. But but people always tell you nowadays it has to have the flavour. And, and I tasted one of those uh, one of those new apples that you, you brought out from the press conference, and I thought it was absolutely delicious. And uh, a, a, a product launch that I went to yesterday was of a sort of a, a tomato called Monterosa. It's, it's a sort of a large uh, pink variety, and um, interestingly, it's winter grown. But they're saying, you know, despite the fact it's grown in the winter, it's still got the same full-bodied flavour that you would get with the, the summer tomatoes. And that's very much the case now that they're trying to combine objects of interest and points of difference, but it has to have that flavour. In the past, maybe we've seen some obscure products, but they, they don't really stand up to much scrutiny. Now it has to have both, both factors, doesn't it? I think the point is that the, the bar has been set even higher and uh, people investing in innovation know that they have to tick pretty much all the boxes that the market requires and the market is very very demanding now um, so there we go so the the final box that we have to tick is to uh, finish our beautiful paella here so we're, go we're going to sign off thank you uh, Felix thank you Maura and thank you Michael and uh, yeah enjoy your paella folks thank you <laughs>